Hey folks, welcome to Florida Uncut, the podcast all about the people behind the connection and protection of wild Florida. Uh, and today's guest, William Freund, is just incredible. He, he's been awesome to talk to. I, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last year, uh, learn about what his foundation does. F-Stop Foundation, you might have saw that in the title, and you think, what is F-Stop? Well, it's a, a terminology from, uh, from camera use, and it stands for focal length of a lens, and it kind of speaks to what their mission is all about, which is capturing uh, the hidden side of Florida through the power of photography. So we've talked about this concept a lot. A lot of times Florida's wild side is hidden in plain sight. And what has really opened the hidden side of Florida up to the public has been camera traps, setting up cameras that are motion censored, that are high quality to capture what goes on in a specific location when no one's there. Because of course, if humans are taking the pictures, they make noise, they're trudging through the woods, it's going to change what animals do. And you you might, you might hike your entire life through the wild of Florida and never see a panther or a bear. And people will make decisions based on those observations, like, hey, we should put a development here, or hey, we should do this, without realizing there's this whole other side of things. And William and the work at F-Stop is helping us to see that stuff. So we're gonna talk about how we went from being an airline pilot from El Salvador and working for his family's company to launching and doing this full-time with his son. Anything we talked about is in the show notes, so you can follow along with F-Stop. They do awesome work. Thank you, William, so much for being on and doing your part to keep Florida wild. Welcome to Florida Uncut. You heard a little bit of William's story in the intro, and uh, yeah, we're going to learn a little bit more about William Freund's uh, story, where you came from, how you ended up in this world, what you do at F-Stop Foundation. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to dive in. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Super excited to be here, so I appreciate it. So where are you coming from today? Where are you based in Florida? I am in southeast Florida in a little city called Plantation, Florida, with basically a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. I uh, mean, that is where we are uh, headquartered in my house. So where uh, I knew you grew up in El Salvador. Yep. What is the story there? How did you end up in Florida? So, yeah, so grew up in El Salvador, born and raised in El Salvador, uh, came to Florida uh, in 10th grade. So uh, back in 1980 and uh, have been in and out since then. Um, and it just um, it's a place where um we, we love to be, uh, we, we know the, everything from the climate to, uh, now we've gotten to know, uh, the environment and everything. So we absolutely love it here. The road, the road to conservation, I think like for so many people in this space, uh, was, a, was a windy one. It certainly was not a direct, uh, a direct road to it. And, um, my, my, well, growing up, we always had great examples in my mom and my dad, um, uh, about conservation we didn't exactly call it that back then it was just you know my dad saw there was a problem with uh, the lake where we had a lake house uh fish were dying there was too much pollution so he organized a bunch of people and companies and you know and, and fixed it and so it was just um it was conservation without us really you know having a big title and and and, uh, and a movement and stuff it was just trying to fix problems that um, he was born and raised there as well, so he he saw changes happening through his life, and so we were exposed to that line of thinking from when we were very young. Wow! And, and did it work? Did the efforts? Yep. Did they work? 
Yep, yep. This was a this is a lake uh, Lake Ilopango, which is a crater lake. Um, has a an interesting history going way back I when, and uh, <laughs> it uh, yeah, no, it you'll see it's it's pretty cool, and and uh, yeah, they, they it was it was a little bit of overfishing, but a lot of um, industries on the uh, sort of the outskirts of the lake that there was a lot of dumping going on, um, and that was that was fixed, and you know, so it's um, it's a success, and and it, it was great to see that all happen, and but my my first love since I was very, very young was flying and I was just uh, in love with aviation. And that's what I ended up doing initially with my studies and my career became a commercial pilot. Um, and uh, eventually got to a point I had a, a medical issue, couldn't, couldn't fly anymore and went into the family business, which is related to hardware stores and, and paint uh, factories and that kind of stuff. Stayed in, stayed in that space for 25 years. But the whole time through that, photography was this, this uh, thing that I really loved and enjoyed the whole time. And um, my son, Max, who's now 24, uh, was also a crazy photographer. And it was just something that we always did together. And the family uh, it loves being in nature. We've been to Africa, been to Yellowstone, to all kinds of places. And it's just something we really love and enjoy. And photography was always part of that. And, um, you know, the the more time we spend out here in Florida, I have a saying that I like to tell people is, you know, Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, and even Africa, you know, they scream this beauty at you, right? It's like you're standing in front of the Grand Tetons and it's like, wow, right? It's just hits you. Florida, I, I say whispers, right? Florida kind of whispers at you. But if you learn to listen to that whisper, you, you really get to see uh, incredible beauty. And the more time we spent out there, um, the more it was like, this is a really special place. And so it sort of grew from that. And we kind of looked at each other one day and said, how do we mesh these two things that we love to do, which is being outside and, and taking pictures, and that's the idea of F-Stop was was born from there. So, uh, wow. sort of a roundabout way to it, but finally got <laughs> yes, there. Man, you, you jumped over about six books worth of information, man. That is so cool. It sounds like the story of your dad restoring, I found the lake too, uh, Iopango. Iopango, yeah, yeah, Iopango. Huge lake, by the way, right yeah, next to the city of uh, San Salvador. And yep. what, what do you remember about that that effort? You know, do, do you remember, you know, there being a lot of support or do you remember a lot of pushback? Was it a big fight? You know, what, what, what do you remember about your, your, your father's involvement? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. It's a great question, Mason. And, and, and um, the, the, it's, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it to just now when you asked me that. But it's interesting that uh, the things that I two of the things that I remember are things that we do here in Florida. And one of the things my dad did was bring just bring as many people as he possibly could to the table, right? Instead of alienating people, instead of like pushing back, it, will, it would have been very easy to push industry and say, your guys are bad, right? You're dumping. Um, and instead he, you know, he spoke to them, you know, he, he went in and approached and said, okay, what, what, how can we change this? This is what's happening downstream. How can we change that? Right. Um, but also he went to the fishermen, right? Cause it was, there was overfishing and, and it was, a bit of a concern of how are these people going to react um, to to being told that you're overfishing. And what was interesting was that the 
the especially the older fishermen would say things like, you know, I remember, you know, my grandfather, we would catch these really big fish, right? And and we wouldn't have a whole lot of trouble finding them. And now we're catching smaller fish. And uh, so they instinctively knew it, right? They, they worked the lake for lived there and, and stuff. So they knew it. And it, they were receptive to alternative business ideas like, okay, let's grow avocados. And, you know, you become, you know, you know, you're now an agricultural person selling avocados and making money from that. Um, so there was, you know, increasing tourism in the lake as it, as it got, you know, more and more beautiful and stuff. So it was, it was those things that um, I remember how he, you know, it was inclusive instead of started trying, trying to divide um, and to approach as many people as he could and say, you know, come to the table and how do we fix this? Um, and it worked. That's uh, it sounds like some really key, uh, evergreen lessons in the sense of, you know, bringing more people to the table, people do care. And there's probably people who have some sort of, uh, who understand something's happening that's different. And maybe your dad bringing it up is finally like, you know, that's what's happening. We've noticed the fish getting smaller, of course probably fishing too much. How do we, how do we make it sustainable? So you, you have people that might see that decline and aren't always all about the dollar. Of course, there will be people like that, but the vast majority of people, I think want, want things that they love and they do to, to continue on. So they're yeah. willing to find a solution. Wow. Right. That's really interesting. So, you know, all right, you have that legacy from your dad and your mom, you come to Florida, you know, you have these loves, you, you have a career in flying and aviation, uh, when did you just start seeing other conservation issues? Because, you know, that was solid for you then, but did your parents or your attention turn to something else or did it take getting here before you started noticing what's, what's happening and getting involved? So a couple of things. So one, one experience was very interesting. We were in Africa, we were in South Africa. Um, and our guide at the time, uh, James is, he's one of the top guides in Africa. Very, very, very knowledgeable um, and we were, we were sitting, uh, you know, standing outside the Jeep one time and, and I said, James, how, you know, how can we help? I like, you know, I'm all the way over there. How can I help? And, and he looked at me and he said, if you want to help here, move here. Like you got to, you have to be local. Yeah. Yeah. You can send money. You can find organizations to support, of course. Right. But, but I was trying to get to a different level of helping and like, and he's like, you got, you know, you got to move here. You act locally. Um, and of course I didn't move to Africa. But that, that sort of lesson sort of stuck with me about local, right? And, and there's so many places that we can help around the world, right? From helping Yellowstone to Africa to, it's, you know, take a pick. Um, but I had this experience. We were, we were uh, so we were big Jeep people. We, we now use them as tools for, for, uh, for Epstein. We couldn't do what we do without them. But um, uh, and and we were out in our jeep out there in uh, this place called Spirit of the Wild, which is a wildlife management area located close to Labelle. And I didn't know what I know now, and uh, we were just happy to be out there photographing. And you know, gates uh, gates were open that usually are closed, and I didn't know anything about it. And the gate was open, and I saw a trail, so that, you know, we went through it. And we were out there in the in sort of the, the bush, and we stopped for lunch. We were in the middle of a bunch of pine trees, and. I'm eating my sandwich and I literally look down between my feet, between my boots and in right in between them is this big paw print. And I was like, well, like, what is that? That's like half the size of my foot. 
there's only one thing that could make something that big in Florida. And of course it was a panther print, right? A panther um, paw print. And it just, it just like, I, right there, I just fell in love with, with panthers and, and it was like, oh, wow. And I started, I started researching as much as I could. I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I, I didn't know. How long ago was this? This was, this was, um, so we started F-Stop in 2015. So that probably was right about there, 2014, 2015 or something like that. Um, and, and it was started researching about Panthers and, and trying to find out reading the FWC website and just trying to learn. And the more I learned about it, the more I was like, wow, this is, this is what James said, right? This is local. This is, this is something that I can try to help. And, and we have this skill, um, for photography. And then you start researching some more, you figure out, well, you know, you can't really take a picture with the hammer camera you're holding in your hand of a Panther. I mean, that's just like. It's almost impossible for that to happen, right? Because of just how elusive they are. As yes, they're just so elusive. So they're, they're, yeah, you're never going to see one. Not the African lion that you see walking down the prairie, right? It's just not not going to happen that way. Uh, even our bears are not not quite, but but also very shy, very elusive. Um, and um, along the way, you had the the pleasure and the luck of meeting Carlton and and being able to Carlton Ward and being able to talk to him and and. You know, we were already heading down the rabbit hole of, of the remote camera work. Um, and actually, it was in that same place where we saw the paw print a, a week later or maybe a couple of weeks later. Max and I, my son Max and I came back and we put this little tiny trail camera that we bought. You know, it's just something you can buy at Walmart or Outdoor World, whatever. And we're like, OK, you know let's just put the camera and see what happens. Right. And I had no idea about special use permits or any of that stuff yet, but we put the camera came back a week later and there's a, there's a picture of a Panther on there, which, you know, having been doing this now for, you know, eight or nine years, we know how like rare that is. But back then I had no idea, but that one picture was like, okay, we're, 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 that's it. We're bit. And um, then we really went, down the deep rabbit hole of how do we take a DSLR and make an actual remote camera set up with flashes and everything else. And there was very little information online about it. Um, so we had to spend a lot of time researching it, trying stuff out, made our own boxes that we put the cameras in. And we're lucky enough to, to put that setup out there and um, came back a couple weeks later and we had this beautiful set of pictures of this male panther and, you know, it was the beginning. That was like, you know, once you start that, um, if it's something you love, you just can't let it go. It was, it was just something we started going and, and, and moving down that direction. And yeah, so, you know, from there, it was, it, it's just been like this incredible set of circumstances that just old doors kept opening up. I, I sent that one of those pictures into the FWC uh, website where you can submit pictures of panthers and the next thing i know i'm getting this phone call from this guy daryl land and i have no idea who daryl is and he happens to head at that time he had that was ahead of the uh, fwc panther team and he says to me um it's a great picture uh would you want to put cameras around the golden gate estates and mm -hmm. i looked at him i mean you know i thought on the phone and i'm like where is that? Like, what, what is the Golden Gate Estates? Like, I have no idea what that is. Sure. Um, and I, I looked and Golden Gate Estates is Southwest Florida, right in the corner where 75 makes that turn from going 
westbound to go northbound right mm-hmm. outside of Naples. And it's a neighborhood, right? So they have uh, acre lots and it's this big, big neighborhood. And I'm like, Daryl, that's like, there's a bunch of people there. And he said, William, that place right there is, has the highest human wildlife panther interaction in the whole state. And it was shocking, right? You think of panthers in the Everglades and you think of panthers out in, in the wild. And here they are living literally among people. Um, and, and so that was the beginning of developing some of the programs that we have going now. Wow. What, what was your goal? So you, you get that first, almost like this treasure hunt. You know, you put a camera out there and you see this ghost of this panther almost. Like you'd never yeah. see it if you were to walk yeah. out there with your camera, like you yeah. said. But and that's a good up- description because that first picture was infrared. So it's a black and white ghostly <laughs> looking. So yeah, it's like, oh. It does look like a ghost. Yeah. And so you will immediately... Or like, okay, I have to keep doing this. What was your goal? To just get more pictures of these Panthers just for the sake of doing it? Or, you know, you know, this was probably pre, there, there's like a, a purpose here, but like what, what was what was your original goal? Yeah, so the, the mission that we set up for F-Stop when, when we started it, it's still obviously the mission today, and it's, it's pretty simple. You know, they use photography to create positive effect, the positive awareness for conservation. Um, and we stuck the word positive in there on purpose because we can, you know, you can do a lot of like negative stuff that's happening in conservation, right? Uh, think of a poached rhino um, and that yeah. kind of stuff, you which is very important, of... right? Yes, yes, but, agree. But we wanted to do, we wanted to focus on positive. Maybe that goes back to growing up, you know, with, with the way that I did. But we just feel that you can you can change more hearts and minds by showing a positive story, still showing the problem, but but keeping things in the positive light and showing hope. Um, and so, yeah. And so from, from that process, it was, a, it was, you know, it was a, and it still is this evolving process of, of learning, you know, what the evolving issues are, um, what the opportunities are, uh, what, who the possible conservation partners are. Um, and we've been very lucky to develop all of those, um, and then and, and try, you know, very hard to stay within our wheelhouse of, of it has to be photography. We 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 develop the the skill and the team to be able to do educational videos. Um, we've done two films, uh, award winning films, um, and and so it it's it's this road of um, sort of triple headed things you know you 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 need the equipment you need to be able to have access and put that equipment out there and then you need to be able to do something with the content that that equipment is generating right and so equipment um if we take that 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 pillar by itself that's that's sort of um grown exponentially from just being trail cameras you know browning has been this incredible partner um and supporter um the hunting company that that makes yes. trail cameras correct yeah and they make some really uh not for us right they make it for hunters but but we take advantage of of that technology and, and the technology nowadays is is very very powerful the quality that's coming out of those cameras is incredible the audio um and everything else and so um that that's one thing and then and then you need to be able to put these things out there so getting special use permits from partners like yeah, U.S. Fish and Wildlife or uh, FWC, Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission in Florida, 
forestry, um, et cetera, and a conservation collier, um, and having the team that is able to help us not only um, field, you know, do the field tech part of servicing the cameras, keeping everything alive and running in Florida. Uh, we have over 180 cameras now out there in Florida. So um, that takes a lot. And we have about 15 volunteers. Um, and then taking the content, as you can imagine, if you have 180 cameras and you pull out an SD card, um, you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of content, right? There's a tremendous amount of content. I think we're up to 20 terabytes right now on our, on our Google drive. So it's just, it's mind blowing, right? It's yeah, like, because these are, these are all camera traps, right? Yes. Uh, so they're, you know, triggered by different motions. So there could be tons that are, you know, I, I don't know the details, but I just know through your work and Carlton's work and like the path of the Panther and just stuff like that, that there's a lot of misfires. And so yes. I'm sure tons of that is just, there's nothing here. Yes. I would love to say that we don't have any misfires, right? That would be a, a huge, a huge lie, um, especially in Florida, that the vegetation just lends itself to that and it, it things grow so fast. So yeah, and, and so we, we're lucky. We have this incredible volunteer coordinator, Jane, and, and she has over 50 volunteers, a lot of them students at uh, FGCU, Florida Gulf Coast University, and then adult volunteers as well that, that take all of this content and they separate the misfires from things that are actually useful. Um, and then they, they, there's another set that tags them and then we're very quickly able to use the, the power of, of Google Drive and sort and stuff. Um, and so that's, that's that other pillar. And then, of course, taking that that's been already sort of separated and, 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 and finessed into stuff that's useful and, and creating a film out of that, and that, that, you know, we're bringing a different team for that. Um, and, um, you know, and, and so... That's sort of the um, how we do all of this, and 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 then producing stuff that our conservation partners can use, um, like Conservation Collier, Department of Transportation. We do a lot of work with them. I, I was gonna say when, when you capture these, like say you have a camera out there and you you get some great shots, and it goes through your volunteer process, they're like, oh great, there's some great shots. Then what do you do? What, what where does it go? What do you what purpose does it serve then? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you use a good word, the word purpose, right? And one of my biggest fears when I, I stopped working for the family business and I decided in 2020, right before COVID hit, uh, to go full-time with, with F-Stop. Uh, and, and my biggest fear was like, is, is this going to serve a purpose, right? Is, there, is this going to make a difference? Or are we just going to be producing a bunch of videos and pictures and like, can we make a difference? And luckily, you know, and through a lot of work and, and through amazing conservation partners um, it has. And so um, if we take, for example, Department of Transportation, we're very, very, very lucky in Florida to have this proactive um, Department of Transportation that cares a tremendous amount about our wildlife, um, as well as the traveling public. And so they use, um, they came to us and they said, would you be willing to put cameras uh, in, you know, under in under roads, right? Because all of our crossings are under a road. Um, and, you know, we said, yes, I mean, of course we, we would like to, and to be honest at the beginning, I kind of was like, why in the world do we say yes to this? This is crazy. You're, you're basically standing next to, or under a road, you know, 18 wheels are zooming by at 80 miles an hour. Um, you see all the pieces of stuff that's around you, like pieces of 
wheels and tires and bumpers and you're like i'm gonna get killed out here um <laughs> probably i mean just trash everywhere trash but just the the, the volume right um uh, and but it's proven to be this incredible project and what's really neat is you, you you can you can take the content that we're producing and dot then takes it to do several things with it they either um, are able to validate the science that says that this is part of where wildlife is moving through. Um, and so they're using, for example, an existing culvert, which is used for drainage. It was never intended to have wildlife, but we're proving that wildlife is using it. So when they redo that road, um, they work in a wildlife crossing, like a fully built wildlife crossing into it. Or we can show that the wildlife crossing um, is working, what type of crossing, whether it's a, a full bridge or ledges or like the mixture of, of, of tools that they have in their arsenal. Um, uh, and so the, the cameras help to show that. You're basically capturing data or, or and proof yes. that these places are being used by animals, all sorts of animals. Uh and that can go into decision making for yes, we do need a, a bigger or more more robust or more wildlife crossings in this area. Yep, that's exactly it. You got it. You got it exactly You're right. Just, and, and, and this is all hearsay until you see a picture with you know a yes. group of turkeys or a rat, you know, a bunch of animals crossing it, and then they're like, yep. no, there's 15 animals a night using this thing. They need more space. Or they need more of these. They're clearly, they need, they're yeah, clearly they need using more. It. And 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 you take some of the high volume roads, like for example, Alligator Alley or I four, um, and these are massive, you know, very very uh, uh, fast moving high volume roads, and, and you're getting consistent hits from bears and big alligators and panthers, and none of the none of those. On number one, you wouldn't want to kill an animal, but number two is you, you hit that with your Toyota, and it and it's going to be. It'll end up bad for the bear, but it, it's extremely dangerous for humans as well, right? Yeah, so life threat. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the the neat thing and and how it all ties into the bigger picture is, you know, these crossings are this very specific geographic point, right? It's a it's a specific point on the road, a bridge on the road. But when you look at the at the Google Map and you see where this crossing is, for example, one on um, you know, just to pick one, the one on by, by uh, State Route 29 and Alligator Alley, um, the, what, what this crossing connects, right? Because you can have a wildlife crossing, but if it doesn't connect two pieces of land that are useful for the wildlife, it's like having a hallway in your house that goes nowhere, has no doors. It doesn't connect to a bedroom or to a kitchen or anything. It's just a hallway that ends in nothing. So, the the very neat thing in Florida is is how these wallet crossings are connecting these pieces of land, this patchwork that we call the Florida Wildlife Corridor, right? Um, and and in some places, like the one I just described, it connects two pieces of public land, but in some cases, it connects public and private, right? It could connect a, a public uh, a property with a ranch or. Uh, you know, different different types of, of, of terrain and properties in, in Florida. Um, and so this work that we're doing in a specific spot um, proves to be very important for the connectivity, right? And, and, the, and the, the ability for the species to be able to roam. Um, and we don't have in Florida these big, you know, elk 
migrations and mule deer, these guys that migrate for, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles of the grizzlies, you know, they just move. But we do have uh, panthers, for example, whose territory, male panthers territory can be 250 square miles, right? So, so as an example, the city of Fort Lauderdale is maybe 40 square miles, right? So if, so here's a, an animal that needs connectivity to be able to, to do what it needs to do. Same thing with bears um, and stuff. So um, the wildlife crossings become really important and being able to show that uh, is, a, is a really awesome thing to be able to do. When was one of the first times you put that together? Because, because it seems like maybe here more so than a lot of places, maybe I'm just biased because I live here now, but uh, and, I, and I'm from here. I just was away out West for, for uh, quite a few right. years. These camera traps, these personless camera setups have been more instrumental here than anywhere. It, it almost seems like it came up independently in a, with a lot of different filmmakers and creators that said, this is a really good tool to show what's happening here, despite all the activity, uh, human activity. When did that idea click for you that it was also powerful to tell a story or to make change? Because um, clearly you loved it. And so you, you yes. knew right away for you. When did you see it and maybe someone else? Well, so the very beginning, the very beginning to the to the to the crossing part of the story actually happened. Um, Carlton, uh, Joe, and Mallory were doing the the expedition that was uh, Ranch to Ridge, and you know Grizzly Creek. You know Eric and the team were were filming. That's where I met Eric the first time, and uh, Carlton had asked, and Jason as well had asked. You know, can we put can we put cameras in specific areas that they knew the expedition was going to go through? And one of the places was on State Route 27. And since you're from up there, it's um, just north of, you know, Avon Park in that, in that uh, section of 27 where it's still very rural, but still has a lot of traffic, right? It's a, it's a four-lane uh, highway, but separated uh, with, with a big median for, you know, potential growth. I'm from Frostproof. Yep, right there, just south of you. I mean, literally just like a mile and a half south of that intersection of of, uh, where you would turn to Prosper. So we we got there and it's it's a culvert, right? So it's it's not meant for wildlife. This is a drainage culvert. And, you know, maybe, I mean, like chest high and maybe eight feet wide or something. Pretty pretty big. I mean, you can, you have to crawl in there, but but still big enough. And I get asked, can I put a camera there? And, and so it's a, it's a big challenge because you have to secure the camera. How do you put the camera? Where do you put the flashes? Where, like this whole thing was like, um, and it was one of my first exposures. And of course the, the, the 18 wheelers are zooming by and, and you're like, this is crazy. Yeah. You're thinking there's nothing here. Like there's no, this is be an ridiculous. Animal here. why, why is this, you know, and I'm, I'm, we've gotten pretty good at tracking and I'm looking and I see all these little like, you know, raccoon tracks and stuff, but I'm like, this is crazy. And, and I actually have to, I, I call my friend, Max Stone and, and I said, Mac, you got to help me over the phone. How do I like this? Because I'm going to have flashes because this is all happens at night, right? These guys don't really, they're not really there during the day. So I have to have flashes, but I can't have, I mean, the, 27 is, is maybe, you know, two and a half feet up from where I'm standing on the sand, right? So it's, it's not a high road. And I can't have flashes shining on all the guys that are driving by. And so it was this whole thing of how do I, how do I put this, you know, and then we, we, we got it set up and I come back literally, I think it was the night, the next evening. And it was a picture of a bobcat. And I was like, 
wow. And that was like, okay. And so we, we kept the cameras there and we ended up having a picture that actually was just uh, up on the uh, Florida exhibit, up on the, uh, the Florida house in Washington, D.C. And it's a bobcat coming out of this culvert and an 18-wheeler streaking by. So you see the lights at night of, you know, the red lights on the, on the, on the truck going by and stuff. Um, and that sort of, you know, that when you start looking at not just the picture, but the behavior, you start to, you start to sort of think about things and you're like, why is this animal using this dark tunnel, right? Instead of just crossing the road, obviously it's never been hit by a truck because it's alive. So why, how does it know that it should be using this dark tunnel versus crossing the road? And you start thinking about, you know, ancient migration routes and things that they might see and, and do that we don't really know, right? We don't know everything. We think we know everything, but we don't, especially to wildlife. And so that was sort of the beginning of like, okay, wow. And Brent Setchell from FDOT went by one day to inspect the camera and he liked what he saw. And he reached out to Jason and said, Hey, who's doing this for you? Cause I want to talk to them. And that was the beginning of, of starting the whole thing with uh, department of transportation and, and going from there. But the ability to see behavior from the animals I think it's one of the things that we love the most. And that's when you really start to understand human impact a lot better because you start to see how we affect what they're doing. And, and that's been a huge you know, revelation of, of um, it's one of the big things you're, you go to check the cameras, especially, you know, our June, July, August, it's just a September. It's, it's really hard time to be out there, but it's such expectation of, of, um, What's in the cameras? Like, what what did we capture? Uh, so it's it's cool stuff. It, it, it like I keep I think it's like a, a treasure hunt almost. You you, you yes. don't you never know. You don't you don't know what you're gonna see. And and so funny enough, I bought my mom a, a trail camera for her backyard. She lives in Frostproof just to see what's in her yard because we we thought there was some animals. And Christmas Day, I set it up for her in her backyard, like you know. 20 feet, 30 feet from her house, pointed towards her house, actually, uh, kind of back towards the backyard. You could see the house. First night, first night, biggest black bear I've ever seen. And that was just mind-blowing for us. Yep. She's like, that's in my yard in the middle of the yep. night. And so her that's being awesome. an, you know, a native here to Florida, growing up in that area there her whole life, never actually seen a black bear to know that that thing was 20 feet from her bedroom window in the yeah. middle of the night, the first night we put it up yeah. was a, a huge eye opener to me. And, and I think so many people don't realize that side of Florida is happening. And man, man I got to see that picture. First of all, of that Bobcat, that's a, uh, such a cool story about the world that's happening around us and something that I hear a lot of folks, uh, you know, Carlton and, and those folks talk about a lot is Florida's beauty and Florida's nature is hidden in plain sight. Um, yeah. You wouldn't know it's right there. You wouldn't know it's 10 feet in the, in, in, off the road right there. And you're, you're helping show that world. Do you think we have enough people showing this side of Florida? Yeah. So, so I, I'm, you know, I'm a, a firm believer in the, the more, the better. Um, and your mom's example, it's just awesome. I want to see that picture. Um, and your mom's example is, 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 is a perfect example. And that that's exactly what our share of the landscape is all about. We've taken cameras and put it in people's backyards um, to show exactly that. Now we're talking about cameras. This, this whole started in, in the Estero area. So, you know, growing out of um, the Fort Myers expansion and Estero, Corkscrew Swamp, Corkscrew Road, 
um, just growing like crazy. And these are just neighborhoods that are built typical Florida neighborhoods, right? They've, they've left some preserve areas, but we wanted to, to see if people would be interested. And, and we had enough people that say yes, and the, pro the project's grown. Um, it's four neighborhoods now, plus um, now Solavito also up in, Orla in the Orlando area. Um, and, you know, to, the answer to your question is it goes up to me. Every person in Florida should have a camera in their backyard, right? I mean, it's it, it, uh, even in plantation. I mean, I put, we test all our crazy designs in our backyard and we got raccoons and possums and, you know, stuff like that. So the saying of a picture's worth a thousand words, everybody knows that. I, I added a little sum to it and I said a, a video will leave you breathless. And when you start seeing a bear or deer, uh, panthers in, in your backyard, transitioning through there, using the landscape, sharing the landscape with you, it's very impactful. Um, and, you know, it's we, a thousand people a day moving to Florida, um, about, and, and a lot of people are coming from areas where predators, apex predators have been extirpated, right? There's no cougars, there's no, um, there's no bears. Um, and so they moved to Florida and they expect to be the Florida of tourism. Guess what? You're going to build a house. You most likely are going to have visitors, right? You're going to have people that you share that with. Um, and so it's important to be able to, to, to educate people aware about it, make them aware, but also give them the tools of how do you deal with this, right? You won't, you don't want a bear going, uh, you know, into your house, you just want them transitioning through, then, you know, don't leave the trash out there, little things like that. And then, you know, are there enough people, are there enough, um, you know, teams doing uh, impactful film work? I think there's always, there's always room. We, we, we need to, to tell the story. Obviously, you know, you've got, you've got Grizzly Creek with, with Eric and the team, you've got Wild Path, uh, us, and there's, there's a lot of stories to tell. There's, there's, there's always room. I mean, it, it there's different, avenues of, of where do you put the, the film, uh, who watches it and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, um, we're lucky to have the people that we have and that, that that's been producing this stuff. There's a, there's a lot of work to do. So yeah, there, there's more. Why, why do you think film itself is so, so powerful versus, you know, talking about it, writing about it, even listening about it? What, what is it about the visual aspect before people even go out there themselves, you know, cause that's a whole nother level of understanding and appreciation is experiencing it yourself. Why does film make things happen? Because I was listening to a podcast yesterday and, you know, don't quote me exactly on this, but not a lot was done for the protection of manatees until Jacques Cousteau came here and made a documentary about manatees in the seventies. And then all of a sudden, all this activity started happening. Jimmy Buffett got involved and things started getting done, but it started right. with that, that film. Yeah. So I think, look, I mean, I think, you know, humans learn in different ways, right? Some of it, you said, you said it yourself at the beginning, you're, you're, you're a podcast listener, right? Because it's something that, um, you know, people, people learn by listening, people learn by doing, people learn by watching. The, the powerful thing about films is, that it, it, it's this combination of, um, of skills and of, um, of different things that you're using and making the film that makes it really powerful, right? So you have the visual, obviously, hopefully you have, you know, powerful visuals. Um, uh, you have the audio, you have the music, which, you know, humans are, are, uh, are touched by music, right? It goes to, it goes to our hearts. 
Um, and, and But you have to have a powerful story. You have to have an impactful story. And like I said at the beginning, in our case, we try to keep it positive. We're going to show what the problems are, but it's going to be something that's going to show hope and that there's things that we can do. So the film allows you to put all of this, this package together that, that, um, can can hit people, you know, in the hearts. And and uh, there's a saying, and and I'm certainly not going to say it correctly, but something about you know people make important decisions through the heart, not the brain. Um, and so the 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 film allows you to do that. It allows you to tell the powerful story that can affect change by really touching somebody's heart and, and showing that. So not to say that a podcast can't, because it definitely can. Yeah, hey, 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 no. um, no, no, it, it is just very powerful, right? It's, it's, we know that it's very powerful. It's a storytelling. It's just the different ways for humans to tell stories, and it, it, it all works. We've been doing it for eons, right? With cave drawings and, and then verbal storytelling before we could ever write and stuff. So as long as a story is, is a powerful one, it, it, can, it can make a big difference. The power, a powerful story will, will break through, break through the yeah. noise. So, so tell us more about, you talked about some of the films, you produced two films, which is awesome, and they're both award-winning. You do The Crossings uh, for FDOT and, and, uh, and others, you know, to show like, hey, um, animals are using these. And then you do, tell us more about the, the camera program for homeowners. W- what is that? Can people get involved with that? Yeah, that's the Share of the Landscape project. And Yes, it depends where you are, um, but look, anybody can anybody can buy a remote camera. Actually, we just uh, this past week we just set it up on our website. A uh, little shameless plug here: you can go to our website and and go to the shop button and hit the remote cameras, and you you'll see uh, a link to basically the equipment that we use, the, the Browning HP5 that we love. You can buy it through there um, and buy the, the rest of the equipment. We're going to add a, uh, a how-to page to that with videos of how to set it all up and stuff. So anybody can, can have uh, a camera in their backyard. Um, the, for the project itself, we're looking for homes that are bordering preserved areas like Estero, um, there's so many in Florida, um, but also um, there's three types of, of, of homeowners that or, 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 or people that are involved in this. And it, this is also going to be a film. Um, so you have the homeowners that basically, you know, typical Florida neighborhood bordering a preserved area. Um, then you have the homeowners that live like in Golden Gate Estates that are, you know, acre plus lots and they have hobby livestock. Um, and so what, what do they have to do? Um, and then we're also working with his incredible rancher, Matt Pierce. Um, and we have cameras uh, in his ranch. You've met him uh, probably at the quarter at the, uh, the quarter connect. And, and, and the, so seeing what, what wildlife is there and, and how does it all, you know, how do we share the landscape in all of those three different types of, of landscapes in Florida. And yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. You're, you're seeing, I uh, had a, a, a one of our first homeowners that that's, that that said yes to being on the project, and he was in his pool one day, and he looks up. You know, he was up to his neck in the pool, and he looks over and he sees this big male panther walking along the the screen and porch where he's uh, he's in the pool. The, the panther hasn't seen him, and he just walks by, and eventually he. He, Tom makes this noise and the panther just kind of looks back and looks at him for a second and turns around and just keeps walking into the bush. And of course, like your mom, you know, seeing the bears at night. So 
yeah, people can reach out to us depending on where they are. If they want to be a part of that project, we kind of have to, you know, get their address and look at Google Maps and, and see if it's something that uh, fits within that project. But even if it doesn't, you can definitely purchase the camera, put it out there. We'll teach you how to put it out, et cetera, how to set the settings and um, guaranteed you're going to have stuff that you have no idea sharing your landscape with you. Man, it is an eye opener. I mean, just the things I see in my, I'm living in a neighborhood and the things I see in my yard when I look out sometimes, I'm like, that's happening right here. You know, nature is happening, prey and predator dynamics and everything happening out in the deepest part of the, the, the most pristine national park. Those processes are happening all around us. We're, we're often interfering and, and messing them up. But if you are quiet and still, you'll see them happening. You know, Florida is known for being a wild place. What are, you know, ideally you're seeing animals on these, on these, uh, game cameras and these, these camera traps, but what, what would you, what's some of the crazier things you've seen, uh, that maybe aren't animals on some of those cameras? that aren't animals. Oh my God. We're going to go there. Huh? Oh boy. Um, that, it, let's just say Florida man is out there for sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, we, we, we've been lucky. We, there, there have been a couple of uh, times where we're like, oh, Lordy, we got to make sure that we don't have the students that are volunteering for us look at that video. See right? something crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff that you shouldn't be seeing on the camera. But the, the great major, like hunters, I, I love hunters because they are, um, they're, they're the funniest. You know, they, they obviously they recognize the cameras. They use them themselves and stuff like that. But they're they're just so goofy. They're out there and they see the camera. And of course, now they're dancing in front of the camera and, you know, doing all of the, the goofy things, waving hello and stuff. So that's pretty cool stuff. But yeah, not not um, a lot of the cameras, we try to put them where there's not going to be a lot of human stuff. Uh, but a lot of it is trail systems. So luckily we do have, um, and that's kind of neat to see is it's the, 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 uh, you know, the different usage that a lot of these trails are using from, you know, guys going out there on their mountain bikes, people walking their dogs, hopefully on a leash, always walking your dog on a leash in Florida and stay away from the water. But, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of people recreating and, and, and being out there, probably not enough. Uh, so it's kind of neat to see people using the same area. And of course you have the person walking the dog and little do they know that last night the panther walked by, right? And tomorrow night the bear's going to walk by. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that. What, what would you say has been one of your most surprising learnings? I, I know you anticipate there being even now, like, okay, there's going to be a number of animals that use this. What, what has been something that's really surprised you uh, that you've learned through just starting this organization and running it and, and doing what you do? Um, I, I think, watching uh having the animals teach us and and watching you know especially you panthers we're lucky that we have this amazing ambassador right i mean this is that's a it's a it's a lion walking around florida and it's just they're just so dynamic and resilient and like it's just a really cool animal to be you know be able to work with um but we, we human beings tend to be very shallow how we think of predators right they're, they they kill and they have babies and like we we that's how we think of predators right we have to stay away from them and all that stuff but when you start seeing um there's, there's this great example i love to give people there's a, a a female panther that was born and raised and has lived her whole life in and around the florida panther national wildlife refuge um, and we call her broke tail because she's got this kink on her tail when she was young and looks like she broke her tail. And so she's broke tail. 
not collared, but very easy to recognize because of the tail. And she's had several litters. And the latest litter, it was three kittens, which is which is amazing. And and but she she brought them up to to adulthood, right? To to the point where they get dispersed, and they'll stay with mom for about two years. So by the time they get dispersed, they're as big as mom, um, or bigger if it's a male. And and then she kicks them out and, and it immediately goes back to, to breeding. But the kittens were not quite her size, but they were they were getting pretty big. She wanted to teach them how to use this wildlife crossing that I described before in 29 and 75 there on Alligator Alley. And um, it's the southern edge of the Panther Refuge. And it's, it's, it's a combination. We've compiled this video. It's like a six-minute video. And it was almost two days. It was uh, just over a day and a half that it took her to teach these kittens how to use this crossing. Um, it's very busy crossing, right? It's a very busy road with, with a lot of trucks and, and a lot of noise that comes from this road 24 hours a day. And at the beginning, you know, she, she went through there uh, and we have cameras right outside the crossing and then we have cameras underneath the crossing. And so we know that she went by on, on one evening, um, my you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I think she has a kill uh, on the south side in the Fakahatch Strand Preserve. Um, and then she comes back and she's trying to teach the kids and lure the kids to use the crossing to get to the south side, I presume, through the kill. And she goes right up and she's like, she's chirping, right? They make this chirping sound to, to call the kittens and the kittens are answering back, which is adorable. And she goes through this little pinch point, which is the southern edge of the, of the refuge, you know, maybe two arms width wide. And, and she goes through there and the kittens are following her and they get to that point and they stop. They will not go any further. And she could see her in the distance and she's looking back and she's chirp, chirping and the kittens are going, no way, I'm not going there. That is scary. And she has to come back and tries it again. And she tries this for like a day and a half, um, getting annoyed at them. You can hear her going from chirping to growling. Like she's like, like growling at the kids, like, okay. And the kids just will not go through. Eventually, one of the kittens, it was always, I call it mama's boy, because he was always, I don't know if it's a he or she, but it was always the most attached to her. Uh, it tries, it goes halfway through, uh, they're underneath the road, he's following mom, very, very scared, truck goes by, and he's like, I'm out of here, and just sprints back to his siblings. So mom kind of, you know, blows her head and goes back and gets him. Eventually, that one kitten goes through with her. And runs back and all of a sudden the other two are now, okay, so, you know, this guy said it was okay, so now we're going to go through. Um, and it's just incredible to see her being a mom, you know, having to teach these kittens to use this crossing. She knows that they have to disperse, right? This is something that's natural to them. The As big as the refuge is, about 26,000 acres, it's not big enough, especially I believe one of them was a male. Um, there's two big males in the refuge and that, that's way too crowded. So can, that male is not going to stay there. It has to disperse. Um, the females can sort of share the home range, but the male going to have to find his own territory. So she knows she has to teach him how to use these crossings. And it's just really powerful to be able to see that behavior. And so the cameras, um, teach us that, right. And the cameras, you see so much of this that it's just so interesting 
to to be able to witness and if you just pay attention to it all it's a um it's a really cool thing to see and that's you know we we try to show that so much you can learn from what you do and it's uh just such a unique skill set and such a useful skill set for for telling this story uh i'm sure the possibilities are just endless yeah it's pretty cool and and uh you know we have these other partners like in Yellowstone where we, we support the Yellowstone Cougar project and same thing. They're using the cameras. Now they're using the cameras in a more scientific way uh, to, to estimate population, population density and stuff like that. But you still get these incredible things. We're doing a film on that. That's going to be out early next year. Um, but it's the same thing. It's it just, the cameras are just teaching us how much we still don't know. And if we are, you know, if we're humble uh, and we're able to sort of, sit there and go, okay, let's learn from this. Um, I think it could be a benefit not only for the Panthers, uh, but for us as humans. What is somewhere in Florida that, that really connects to you, that that really speaks to you? It could be a lot of places. It could be somewhere that's just, you know, right now is really special to you, but is is there anywhere that, uh, that stands out? You can also not mention it if it's a secret. (laughs) No, 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 no. The more, the better. I just, you know, I, I said that, no, um, you know, there's um, places where we spend quite a bit of time. Um, the Panther Refuge is incredibly special because it's it's original Florida, right? I mean, yes, it was logged and everything, but for right now, when you look at it, it's it's real Florida. But it's it's a place that almost nobody can get into, right? It's it's a closed refuge. There's a trail system on the south side that you can go and, and explore, mm-hmm. um, but so. Aside from the refuge, um, one of the places that I just love uh, a lot is a place called Dinner Island Ranch, um, as well as Spirit of the Wild. Those are in that Labelle Immokalee area, and those are free, you know, to the public. Those are wildlife management areas. You can you can take your car, drive around. It's a gravel road. Um, Dinner Island is um, a little bit different because it still has uh, a working cattle system uh, to to help with the restoration it's it's big enough where the cattle are basically lawnmowers so it's really pretty it's very pretty and you can just drive around it's easy to get to it's an hour and a a half from fort lauderdale or less than that from fort myers but there's just so much i mean um even by your neck of the woods up there you know if you you go to lake wales ridge state forest it's just so pristine and so beautiful um and, you know, easy to get to, easy to hike, you know, you have to deal with the Florida heat sometimes, but other than that, you know, it's just really, really, really beautiful. What would you say, you know, for people that aren't professional photographers, people that aren't filmmakers, people that aren't, uh, you know, your average Floridian, what have you learned to be the most effective things they can do to get involved and help make sure we have more land here in Florida protected? What's a, a few things that you've noticed the average Floridian can do? Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's a great question, right? And, and, and we can go specific to F-stop. We can say, you know, um, from the stuff that, that almost seems obvious, but it, that really is important, you know, follow us. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel is important because that's how we put out a lot of information. Uh, hey, fundraising always helps, you know, send some money in. But, but it, it, you know, uh, aside from that is, you know, and you kind of mentioned that at the very beginning, there's so many uh, 
organizations and people working uh, to help conservation in Florida that you can have your pick, you know, and, and, but you just have to do a little bit of work. You have to, you have to research. What are you interested in? If you're interested in, in reefs and coral reefs, there's, there's, there's people that do that. If you're interested in panthers, uh, et cetera, manatees, springs, I mean, it just depends. So, so do something that touches your heart, find something that, that, uh, that you'd be excited to, to get involved with. Um, and if it's not a, an involvement, a volunteer type of thing, just get out there, right? Um, and it, it doesn't have to be this big thing. I mean, you got you got city parks, you've got county parks, like we have an amazing county system. You know, state parks in Florida are absolutely incredible. And then just getting out, even if it's for a hike, you know, a couple of hours or something, get out and, and, and look around, try to I always, what I try to do is I try to learn a little bit every time I go, right? I'm not trying to learn everything in one sitting, but just a little bit. I see a flower and I don't know what it is. Take a picture. And now you got Google on your phone, take a picture and find out what it is, right? Is it invasive? Is it not? And, and all of a sudden you start being a little bit more aware. You start understanding, you start seeing things, different types of the time of the year, like what, how does the water move? So a lot of it is just getting out there, you know, talk to people. And if you find an organization that, that sort of touches your heart and, you know, ask, I mean, every, I, not too many people are going to say we're not interested in help. So, um, you know, Florida Wildlife Quarter Foundation is a perfect example of, you know, this incredible organization um, and a team and stuff. So, I think that's a, um, you know, there's, there's no silver bullet that I can say, hey, you know what, if everybody does this, that, that'd be great. But that's good because everybody's interested in something different. So if you, if you find something that talks to you or speaks to you and, 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 and that you find interesting, you know, go do it. Pick up the phone or, or look on the Internet and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, th- thankfully, there's a lot of different things to do. Uh, that's all helpful. You know, it, it, it's, uh, seems like if you do have a camera, it's a little more, you know, they, they, there's a lot of use for that. There's a lot of need for yep. that. You know, one thing I didn't ask that I meant to is on my list is, is what do you have coming up? Anything different? Is it just an, ex- you know, continuing the programs you're doing anything? You mentioned another film. Yeah. So we, we've got coming up, we've got, obviously we have to finish, uh, the, the film for, uh, the Yellowstone Cougar project. That's going to be on PBS nationwide. Um, and uh, film festivals as well. Then we got the film for the Share the Landscape. Um, and we're always working on things in between. Um, one of the, uh, the really cool things that we're trying to develop now is, is uh, 360 technology. And that, that comes with its own uh, set of uh, really crazy challenges and rabbit holes, especially you know, trying to use that as a, as a remote camera and stuff. So that's something we're spending a, a little bit of, uh, of time trying to figure out and, and working on that. That that takes it a whole new level because it's very immersive, right? If you if I put a pair of goggles on you and I show you the bear that your mom, you know, saw on her camera, but it's in 360 and this bear you know, brushes by the camera, you, you you feel like the bear is brushing by you, right? So it's very immersive, but well, that's a crazy rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be another episode. Couple uh, years come thing. back on when that's like farther <laughs> exactly. along, we'll be like, all right, tell hey, us about the 360 program. Yeah, exactly, and everything. But but thanks for what you're doing because it's really important and it's uh it's you know it's another another tool and it's powerful and and uh you know you said you're a big uh, podcast listener. You know we're driving hours to go check the cameras and guess what we were put on podcasts and stuff exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very powerful tool and, and thanks for doing it. Cause it, it makes a big difference. I appreciate it. 
Well, keep doing what you're doing, and let's let's stay you in too, touch. You too, man. I, I appreciate it, and uh, and thank you for doing it. So look look forward to, to hearing. Hopefully, I didn't stumble too much. You were awesome. This was a great story. <laughs> so, all right, we'll talk soon. All right, man. Yeah, right. appreciate it. All right, yeah. Bye. Bye. So after the interview, we were talking, and I told William I recently saw a camera trap out in the woods, and he's like, well, where was it? And I explained, and he's like, that's one of ours. Crazy coincidence. I went back out there with my family, and uh, you're going to have some pretty interesting photos on your Lake Godwin Road camera. Uh, Just tell the volunteer to be ready. All right, thanks for listening, y'all.